My name is Boyd Varty. I think of myself as an artist of experience. My passion is to create transformational experiences for myself and others as a way to explore what it means to truly live. My central exploration is to live on what I would call the track of your life. To me, this is to live courageously towards the discovery of what you are called to and to what life asks of you. So much of how I live has been informed by my passion as an animal tracker. I'm following the trail of my own life and reporting back. This show is a daily broadcast from a treehouse on the Londolozi Game Reserve in the wild eastern part of South Africa. Londolozi is a 14,000 hectare wilderness reserve adjacent to the Kruger National Park. The land is home to lion, leopard, rhino, elephant and buffalo, as well as a variety of other animals. I am your host, Boyd Varty. My goal is to spend 40 days and 40 nights alone in the wilderness to explore the archetype of the mystic in nature and hone my skills as a tracker. These are my daily stories. Episode 1. Fuss Bait. This is me downloading on the beginnings of my preparations to go and spend 40 days and 40 nights alone in the South African wilderness. And in some ways this journey begins on the top of an RV at Burning Man in 2016. I remember sitting on the top of the RV and this incredible symbolic cultural experience was playing out around me at night. The neon was lighting the sky, the lasers, and you could hear the sound and this incredible uh, scope of expression swirling uh, around me and something very deep inside of me said, this is not the mythology I'm looking for. This is not the symbolism that I long for. I want to be somewhere wild and somewhere alone. On another occasion once in the Bellagio, the a Vegas hotel room, I remember standing at the window and looking out over the strip and some distance away out over the desert at night a full moon was rising and again somewhere inside of me a voice said you belong out there you belong out there my whole life at junctures I have longed for the wildness and freedom that comes from being in the natural world and because of the way I grew up on a reserve in South Africa I've had many opportunities to do that uh, I grew up tracking animals, I grew up making wildlife documentary films, I grew up in a family that ran a safari business, so it's not like my exposure to nature has been minimal, in fact it's been probably more than most people, and yet I still feel like I have longed for a long extended time in absolute solitude in nature. And f for some time now I've been telling myself that I would get to it, you know there was there was always this idea that, you know, that was something that I was going to do. And I have done it, you know, weeks at a time, two weeks, ten days, three weeks. But I have never spent 40 days alone. And seeing as though it's the year 2020, there seems to be something elegant about the idea of 40 days and 40 nights alone. There's a certain numerological elegance to it. 
I guess I should try and capture for you a couple of my reasons for going to the tree. One of the primary reasons is my whole life, you may say I've been a seeker, I've been fascinated in the mystical paths. And what I would deeply like to understand is the archetype of the mystic in nature. Why did Jesus go to the desert for 40 days and 40 nights? What occurred while he was out there? What is the symbolic meaning of being tempted by the devil? Does that mean that he was having encounters with his own psyche? Does that mean he was piercing the veil of illusion that the mind can create through stories? I don't know. Why did eventually the Buddha go to the grove and sit down under the Bodhi tree and say, I will not move until I've attained enlightenment. I will sit under this tree until I die or I will become enlightened. And why did the great mystic and one of my primary teachers, Byron Katie, start going out into the desert alone after she had her awakening experience in 1984? So one of the core goals is I would like to explore and understand the idea of the mystic in nature from inside the experience. I can read endlessly about the Desert Fathers. I can read accounts of uh, John the Baptist going into the wild. And yet there is something about the solitude of being inside that experience myself that fascinates me. So that is certainly one of the reasons I would like to go into the mystic in nature from the inside. Another reason is that it feels like a moment in time. Right now, with the arrival of COVID-19, dismantling the way that we have lived, uh, the earth is probably the most quiet it's ever been. And I've always had this idea that one of the reasons the mystics went to nature was to hear the creator, the audible life stream, the current, uh, the underlying vibrational energy, to hear it speak through its creation. And there's something about the idea now that planes are grounded, cruise ships are away, and there's just a kind of quietitude coming into the world that feels like it could be very, very energetically supported. On top of that, every responsibility I had has been cancelled. All my retreats were cancelled, the safari business has gone quiet, the world has gone quiet. And people all over the world are in isolation. They've locked themselves away in in different environments and so it seems as if the world is asking in some ways right now for solitude for isolation and yet what it is also asking is to see if we can find in truth a deeper connection um, to everything through that isolation and so I'm interested in that idea uh, and another reason perhaps is that I've always been interested in the Franciscan consciousness, uh, I'm not a particularly, I wouldn't call myself a Christian by any means, um, but I am interested in the Christian mystics, as I'm interested in all mystics. And I've always been fascinated by St. Francis's story, the idea that he gave up a life ordained for him as a rich merchant, as a rich merchant, and to go and live quietly in nature. This is an idea that's very, very interesting to me. And St. Francis is the only saint depicted as looking down to the ground instead of up to the sky. And he's always seen with animals around him. So one of the things that I'm excited to, dis to explore is to go into the consciousness of wild animals by living like them, immersed in their environment, uh, spending days in their dimension of time, 
exposed to the temperatures they face, the rhythms they face. Renius, one of the great Shangan trackers, always used to say to me that in order to understand the animals, you must live like an animal. And so there's this idea that I will be out in a wordless dimension. Nature is a place where there's not a lot of words spoken, and so the, the wordless, the verbal mind starts to give way to something wordless. And I'm also interested in just the scope of that kind of stillness of time. I mean, you can imagine when you're awake, <laughs> you're alone by yourself in nature, you wake up at maybe five in the morning, you could do you know, a couple of hours worth of activities, and then it's ten, and the day still lies ahead of you. And so what you see in the animals is a natural rhythm starts to take them between action and rest, uh, curiosity, play, and then rest. And I'm hoping that just by being inside of that, I can get a deeper sense of the way the animals are. And in that way, I think that I will improve as a tracker too, someone who has authentically spent hours out on the land. And so another one of my motivations is definitely to enter into the consciousness of nature, enter into a wordless consciousness and enter into a different relationship with the dimensions of time. I've also my whole life been fascinated by the idea of wildness and wilderness. To me, some of what is lost in modern life, and I'm lucky to live between the wilderness and the United States, so I have this kind of dual view, but what I see that is lost in modern life is our relationship to the way meaning and symbol permeates life. And, you know, one of the ways to play with that in this moment is if you were to close your eyes and I simply said the word mother to you. Mother. And if you sat with that for a moment, you might see that an image would flash. And with that image of mother, uh, without you doing anything, arise a whole lot of associations. Uh, some people you know, a deep feeling of nurturing and love and gentleness might arrive. To other people, you know, there might be a strong sense of contempt. But immediately as you say it, something inside you constellates around your understanding of mother, not as uh, the person who raised you, but as a symbol of something in your life. A symbol that is infused with meaning. And what it seems to me is that in a society where everything is a commodity to be consumed, somehow the meaning structures around certain symbols start to fall away. So part of going out into wilderness is to explore how being in wilderness infuses my life with the symbology of what it means to be wild and free and alone. I'm interested in what being in wilderness helps me become as a man. I'm interested in places it helps me find in myself. I'm interested in energies that arise alone out there. Uh, and I should say to you that I, I, in a lot of ways, do not feel ready for this. I, I long for the meaning that this type of encounter can bring into my life, but I don't know if I'm ready for the journey. The idea of 40 days and 40 nights alone versus the reality of doing it is, as this time is suddenly rushing up on me, really starting to dawn on me. I feel in some ways mentally unprepared for 40 days and 40 nights uh, alone. And, you know, I might just ask you at that juncture to like try and think back on where you were 40 days ago. 
um, you know, you might look into your diary and glance back and that'll give you a sense. And obviously there will be nothing um, to distract, so to speak. Uh, there is just open space. And I was actually originally meant to go in July and there was a whole uh, kind of mental process that I had planned to start to get myself ready for this. And now it's happening at much shorter no notice through all of these circumstances. Uh, I'm afraid that it's too long. I'm afraid that I will be unable to do it. I'm afraid that all of my shit will come up, which I'm certain it will. I'm afraid of being alone with no contact to the outside world. Yeah, so I guess I'm just working my way towards that uh, through that at the moment as I'm slowly starting to prepare. And obviously, uh, going in the next few days, there's a whole lot of logistical things that need to happen. Um, a lot of people ask what I will do for food. I'm not going to be uh, living off the land. I will receive, I'm, I'm going to take fruits, vegetables, um, nuts, raisins, that sort of thing. I will receive a food drop uh, probably every 10 days or so. Uh, meat, on the other hand, I plan to rob from predators like the old Shangan hunter-gatherers did for hundreds of years in this uh, for hundreds of years in this area. The idea is that you find the tracks of lions or leopards and you follow them like people did for thousands of years on the plains of Africa. And if you find them on a kill, you run in and you borrow some of the meat from them. And of course, <laughs> this is no doubt uh, what I call a home idea. Home ideas are great ideas when you are all safe and sound and comfortable miles from the reality of what that might take. But uh, seeing if I can attain meat using the ancient art of tracking is one of the things that I'm definitely interested in. All of this to say that um, I will have to, as they say in Afrikaans, fussbait. Fussbait is an Afrikaans word that roughly translates into bite down. Fussbait was a term used by the legendary South African Special Forces that basically means endure. No theory, no, pontifica no pontification, you just fucking fussbait. You haven't eaten, you're tired, you're cold, fussbait. You might die of exhaustion, fussbait. Your feet are covered and blistered and you're severely dehydrated, fussbait. And definitely fussbait is a lost, a lost way in a world where there's this we weird preconception that we deserve to be happy and comfortable. Uh, in fact, you shouldn't be inconvenienced or uncomfortable in any circumstance. So my mental approach right now is to get the logistics together to slowly start to get my head into a fussbait mentality. Yeah, just to try and get myself deep into the fussbait mentality and just to handle things as they evolve and to be with the process as it evolves. Obviously, there's a spiritual component to this. Uh, I will meditate. Numerous thoughts will come up as to why I can't do it and shouldn't do it. And hopefully in the meditation and in the practice of being able to watch my mind, I will not instantly identify with those. I will have a little bit of the spaciousness required uh, just to watch them and and to be with whatever is arising. That's obviously the deeper spiritual component to try and uh, be with myself, to try and be still with myself, to try and turn my attention into the stillness underneath the endless stream of thought and to attune myself to the rhythms of the natural world. 
I want to try and tell you the story well. I will probably not be great at it at first, uh, as there's something incredibly weird just about talking to yourself and musing to yourself alone in a tree. But what I will try and do is imagine that we are around a fire and I'm just telling you day to day about what has occurred, what's going on with me, uh, what I'm feeling. And I'm, I'm hoping that I'm hoping that it'll come out in a way that will be worth listening to. I should say too that the storytelling component of this is an important part of it for me. Uh, I had wonderful debates with many friends on the build-up to this about whether I should even try and share the story while it's happening or not. Some people, everyone has a different view on it, but in the end I became clear that part of this was an opportunity to share as a voice from nature from an ex inside of an experience to people directly and I love to tell stories and it's it's an art form to me and a craft for me and so I'll just share it as best I can as we go along and I realize that it flies against traditional solitude retreats but it's what I feel called to now so I'm doing it I'm also the architect of this experience and so I'm trying to create something that is both meaningful to me uh, but also feels like important work an opportunity to broadcast uh, hopefully a feeling and a frequency live from nature. My exile will be different probably in a few ways. I will try to share simply how the day unfolds and what happens to my state of consciousness as the solitude and the practices of meditation and tracking deepen. I've decided I will allow myself the opportunity to walk and go tracking wild animals. Tracking is an ancient art form and it is my passion and part of why I'm doing this is to improve my skill set as a tracker. I will work out hours and hours of walking, but probably in other ways too. Attuning my body to the lifestyle of an elite tracker feels important to me. I've known trackers who seem to have just endless physical capabilities, men who could walk, you know, without water, without food from sunrise to sunset. And I'm interested in this idea of attuning myself physically to this process and the resiliency that you see in all animals and all people who spend great deals of time in the natural world. This event will take place at Londolozi Game Reserve. Londolozi is the land that I grew up in, a 14,000 hectares contiguous with the famous Kruger National Park. And I will be based at a tree house, which is itself a wooden deck up in a beautiful Scotia tree that was a the treehouse was originally built as a film set for a film that my uncle made in the early 90s and since then it's been through various iterations but really what it is is just a deck in the boughs of a beautiful Scotia tree on the banks of a small drainage line called the Inyatini drainage line a sort of a deep ravine full of small tambutis. It's dark, it's cool, there's thick river sand at the bottom of it. It's essentially dry year-round. Occasionally water will run in it where there, when there's been big rains. It's an area that leopards uh, absolutely love. It's an area uh, with a lot of buffalo. Elephants feed up and down it so there'll be opportunities. I'm certain that I will have uh, encounters with animals uh, regularly f just from the treehouse uh, having slept there before i can tell you that i've woken up on occasions to a herd of elephants uh, all around me below the tree it's a very special spot and it's a place that i, I fe feel drawn to 
I will have a mattress and a mozzie net, a chair, a rifle, a radio, a large thousand litre drum of water, a yoga mat, a pot, a cup, a lantern, a kettlebell, which my friend Patrick O'Shaughnessy advised me to take along with me and I really like that idea. I'll have my knife, my knob carry, which is essentially a wooden club uh, that you can hit things on the head with should you need it. And I will take magic mushrooms with me. As a result of the corona, many people have chosen not to travel. And so this incredible wilderness, which normally there's a multitude of safaris uh, being run on the land, I will essentially have it to myself for the next 40 days and 40 nights. Londolozi is one of the highest densities of leopards on the planet. Huge herds of elephants come in from the Kruger National Park. There are few resident prides of lions, many, many buffalo, and many, many rhino, as well as a tremendous amount of other general game, zebra, uh, giraffe, hippos, crocodiles, impalas, kudus, waterbuck, wildebeest. It's just an incredibly uh, beautiful place. It's green at the moment. As I said, originally I was planning to go in June, which are the winter months, uh, but we've had very good rains. The grass is long and green. Uh, the temperatures will be higher, which will be one of the things that I will have to deal with. Uh, but the moment has arrived. I originally thought about doing this in other parts of the world. I have thought about doing it in parts of the world that you may be considered more remote because they would be harder to access. Uh, and in the end, I decided to be on the land that I knew and felt most connected with. So I'm not trying to say that this is a survival thing out in the middle of nowhere. That's not the intention of it. For me, this is simply about immersion. I also know that from a tracking point of view, this is my best chance to regularly cut the tracks of large high-profile animals and practice the art of following. And that's because of the density of game on this reserve. Bear in mind uh, that this piece of wilderness I will be on is part of the Greater Limpopo Transfrontier Park and so the area that I will be able to operate on is about 14,000 hectares, um, about 30,000 acres connected to a larger 10 million acres of wild land. So if you were to get onto the high ground somewhere and look east from where I will be living up in the tree, uh, you would look towards one of the largest game reserves uh, in the world about 10 million acres of wild land. So friends, that's uh, a little bit of an introduction. I hope to take you well on this journey and share the stories that come. My sister and brother-in-law will be uploading as best they can. They will be collecting the audio from a designated spot where we're going to have a drop spot. Uh, occasionally you hear, might hear my sister or Richard uh, cut themselves in in post-production to give you information. You can also leave questions for me to answer and they will bring the, the questions out uh, and tie in a little tied piece of paper kind of like an unusual little mail drop and leave them there and I'll be happy to answer them as things go along. You can follow along at the various platforms that we'll set up to follow along. I don't even know what those will be yet. Right now uh, I'm trusting them to work out how to share this well and I'm just starting to get my head into this endeavor. I'm doing this right now because this is what the track of my life is pulling me towards. And for a long time now, I've tried to live towards 
what I know to do from the deeper parts of myself. I feel a tremendous amount of resistance appearing inside of me. I feel like there are so many reasons why I can't do this. I'm afraid uh, that I won't be able to get through it. Uh, suddenly a thousand reasons seem to make it an impractical time to be doing it. And then underneath all of those uh, reasons why it's impractical, a deeper knowing. And so the time has come now. And I hope together we can all fast bait.